Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. That's right. I need this to wake me up. Oh, yeah. Feel those drums. We are back with part two of our UFC 269 post-fight coverage. The final pay-per-view event of 2021 is in the books. Charles Oliveira, still the UFC lightweight champion. And Juliana Pena, a brand new UFC women's bantamweight champion. We're here to recap all the action with all of you. We got the whole crew here. I am Mike Heck, we got AK Lee, we got Jed Mishu, we got Casey Lydon, and... Oh, 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 that's the wrong camera. You know, you know we also got... Wait, we're sponsored by, uh, by GoPro, apparently. So. GoPro? Look at this! Oh! On location! Can we hear you? Can we hear you? Man. I can't hear him. What's, what? what? We can't hear you. Oh, what's going on? Oh, there he is. Oh, he's coming in. Sean Alshadi is here as well. Hello, Sean. Sean? What's going on, fellas? I can barely hear you, but you You know, it's funny you say that because we can barely hear you. We're like five peas in a pod right now. So uh, thank you for joining us. But first, let, 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 me, just, let me just shout out the theme of, uh, of this post-fight show. We're going to call this UFC 269 post-fight show dot dot victory laps because apparently everybody wants to take a victory lap right now. AK, I know you want to take your own victory lap. We will get to you in a moment, but we got to go with, with what's trending. And Jed Mishu, you are trending bigger than Daniel Bryan was during his run in the WWE when the Yes Movement was taking over the universe. You are the Daniel Bryan, Jed Mishu, of MMA media. You went out on a limb, the biggest limb in the history of limbs, you said it into a live microphone, not once, not twice, but three times, that Juliana Pena would leave the T-Mobile Arena tonight as the Bantamweight champion. And sure enough, she has the Bantamweight title with her right now. Lap away, my friend. Lap away. Man, y'all are never going to hear the end of this one. This is... <laughs> I was I was doing the live blog for the site and I apologize to anyone who did not buy the pay-per-view and was just trying to read that because that's probably the worst live blog I've ever written because when, <laughs> when Peyton started dinging her up in the second round, I was trying to type, but I kind of just was like, oh my God, this is about to happen. I'm going to be the smartest man alive. <laughs> and, and then it just kept going. And at any point in time, I was expecting one of the haymakers, Nunez is throwing back to like, end end all of my hopes and dreams in the saddest way because look 
Penny won dope. But let's not forget, like, she did kind of get tooled up in that first round. Every time Nunez touched her, she was dropping her. And so when she just dug down into this brawling thing, I was like, this is incredible. She's going to do it. But then, oh, my goodness, what if she just gets clipped here? Because <laughs> Nunez was still just trying to find her. That whole sequence was awesome. I was yelling just at my TV while it was going on. Um, I am, I've never been a big Juliana Pena fan, but that was easily like one of the most fun fight experiences of my life watching that happen in real time. So sick. Yeah, amazing. Absolutely amazing moments. Uh, I'm glad you got to say that. Sean, I'm glad you're here. You were, you're, I mean, you're, you're in the building right now. You're in the building. You were there as Juliana Pena became the Bantamweight champion of the world. She did something that nobody expected her to do. She was a mine. Amanda news is a minus 1000 favorite, except for Jed Mishu, Jed Mishu and right. Michael Chiesa were the only in Juliana Payne were the only three people on this earth who felt Juliana Payne would win this fight. What did you think, man? You're there taking it all in. What was that like for you to, to be a part of? Man, utter shock, utter incomplete shock. If I'm being honest with you, I mean, nobody in this building could, could believe it. Nobody in the arena could believe it. None of the media could believe it. And the way it happened, too, it wasn't just some fluke thing, right? It wasn't just some flash knockout. It wasn't just some random submission that she caught. There was sort of a, a process through it. That second round, the, you could see this sort of developing. And it was just it was mystifying, man. It's honestly one of the most incredible things I've ever had the privilege to see in this sport. I mean, we, we, we try not to be too reactionary on these sort of post-fight things, right? These, these sort of vehicles for these post fight thoughts but it's hard for me not to say that that's the biggest upset in ufc history we've been talking about amanda nunes as the goat as the female goat is the greatest female fighter of all time for so long at this point she has held that belt for six years she took it from misha tate of all people and misha tate's gone through a retirement and, and a comeback in that time and amanda nunes was the one constant she's been the one constant in the ufc for so 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 long and for juliana juliana pena who at one point, you know, she blew out every ligament in her knee uh, seven years ago. She had the long layoff uh, four years ago, five years ago. A couple of years ago, she was a loser of two of three. And it was just, it never felt like it was going to happen. And now all of a sudden, she's the one that beat Amanda Nunes. But not even that, she broke Amanda Nunes. She made her tired. She forced her to quit. It's unbelievable. It's hard for me to say that this is not the greatest upset in UFC history. It's definitely up there. I think a lot of people can make, I mean, obviously, the three big ones that come up are, are tonight, obviously, GSP and Sarah, and then Michael Bisbing and Luke Rockhold. Uh, all three excellent choices. You can make arguments for all three, but, man, I, it, this was a tough one to make an argument for. Jed Mishu, you did it, you did it so eloquently. Jed, I was let, dead I'm go back to you. You nailed it. Exactly the, way <laughs> exactly the way you said it was going to go. You said she was taking beating the first round, and then what? You, she I, broke I, the minute I said that if she was going to win, she had to one, and I wrote it to this today. She had to ugly the f up out of this fight, which is absolutely in the second round. And then I was like, yeah, you know, things are weird, and Amanda Nunes is maybe not, maybe a little complacent here, and this is just one of those things where she has a bad night, and Pena comes in dialed in and makes it a really dirty, ugly fight. And that, like, that's even what Nunes said in her post fight. She was like, I, I just didn't have it today. Because that's I've said it a million times. The most difficult thing to do in all of sports is defend a title time in and time out. And especially when you're a minus 1,000 favorite. Like, 
even if you are the most psycho competitor, it's still, it's hard. That has to be difficult every day to wake up when the expectation is you're going to clobber this woman. And even in that second round, like, the it, as far as I could tell from watching it, it looked to me like Nunez, for better or worse, just got into a, okay, I handled her in the first round, was never in danger, everything was fine. I'm just going to hit her, and she's going to fall over. And she kept just hitting her, and Peyton didn't fall over. And then, oh, crap, I'm gassed out, and I'm getting drawn. Like, it's just really difficult to defend your belt time in and time out. And I never would have said that Juliana Payne was going to tap Amanda Nunes in the third round. Like, I don't think anyone alive would have thought she'd have got it done that quickly. But she did everything else. She made it really ugly and just turned it into a dogfight. And Nunez got a little, got overconfident and didn't have her A game today, and it cost her. I nailed it as far as I'm concerned. I think you did. Jenna, but second round, the second round, second round. Oh, it was the second round too. That's like, like, like Nunez fell apart so quickly. But what I think it's interesting is like this is very consistent with how Nunez loses. We just kind of forgot how she loses. If you go, go back and fight pass. Watch her fight when she lost to Invicta. Watch how she lost to Casangano. Watch how she lost to Alexis Davis. It was the same way. Started out strong, faded fast. And I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I thought that old, I thought oh, that Amanda Nunes was gone. Oh, oh, you're alive. Oh, oh my God. Oh. oh. We just got everybody. Oh, media oh, source sorry, of the everyone. year. Media source sorry, of viewers. the year. Can we blur that out? Can we blur? Can we blur that? Um, we do some. Mark, be honest. I'm kidding. Mark, we love you. Media does. source of the we year love. have predicted Juliana Pena's epic, <laughs> epic upset. Because I know which one I'd rather have. I got four media sources of the year. Only one person in the world has the pain you pick, and is this guy. <laughs> I was, you know, what I was thinking is that fight was happening, Jed. Remember that between the links episode that just you and I did, and we were talking about how mm-hmm. to make the PFL better, the power bar and the energy bar. Like that yep. fight in particular would be the perfect litmus test for how that energy bar would work, because like okay. it would have been perfect fight for it, <laughs> perfect fight for it. Oh, man, I need to get with somebody to develop that. It's a really good idea. But let's let AK have a victory lap, too, because yes. so oh, yeah. I'm the great genius of unexpected things. I was wrong about the main event, and one man, at least here, was certainly not. Yes. Uh, so teasing said victory lap, we have the Prince of Positivity, Mr. Alexander K. Lee, who wanted to come on and take his own victory lap. Charles yeah. Oliveira goes in there. And defends his title against Dustin Poirier. He submits him in the third round, gets it done, answered all the questions, faced some adversity. Does he have the heart? Does he quit? Can he get over the hump? He did all of those things. And then he actually broke Dustin Poirier. He actually broke Dustin Poirier and put him away in the third round. So on your market set, go AK. Lap away. Yeah, this listen. This was this one was a little, it was definitely touch and go though. I mean, I think for a lot of Poirier supporters, it was going exactly as they thought it would. Like he was he was really messing Oliveira up. This, this was just definitely a testament to Oliveira's uh, toughness, not necessarily his defense, because he just ate a lot of clean punches and fought through it. Uh, had to get a little underhanded in round two. Let's be honest. There, there was a blatant glove grab there, uh, illegal use of the glove. Uh, which he did use to sweep and get on top could have changed the whole the whole uh, uh, you know rhythm of the fight. I, I I don't blame people. I think from now on, if everyone's going to point to the glove thing like they talk about you know Khabib and and Tiramisu or whatever bullcrap, 
that's fine. He he grabbed the glove. He grabbed that. That is a fact. But I think we always talk about MMA. <laughs> Unfortunately, and I love it because I think both guys are really nice guys and really honorable. <laughs> I think we kind of we kind of joke like, well, you know, if you cheat and you don't get caught, then so be it. Then that's that's the game. That's the way the business works. And, and in this case, it did serve Oliver well. Did he need to do that to win the fight? I don't know. You know, uh, he certainly did, and it did lead to him winning round two and then uh, winning round three, as Mike said. May maybe you know, breaking. Um, Poirier a little bit in round two, though I did feel like, uh, as Dean Thomas pointed out, that Poirier did kind of know what he was doing, that he, he he unfortunately probably took more damage than he wanted to, but was content with like, okay, I, I don't want to give him any sort of situation where he can put me in a more dangerous position, so I'm going to keep him in a closed guard and, and just ride the round out. But it was for a long time. It's five rounds. And it was certainly... Yeah, but it certainly wasn't coming for him. Too. You got 10 eighted, unfortunately. Yeah, I, it wasn't. I, didn't, I didn't give him a 10 8 because I would have said, because then if you did, I think you'd give Poirier a 10 8 did, in the first round. I think Poirier. I didn't, oh, I didn't see his scorecard, so I didn't see his scorecard. Mike, right? Yes. Two judges? Two 10 8s. I disagree yeah. with 10 8, but two judges did give it 10 8. Because he had him down for so long. Yeah, I think the first round, I guess they saw it as somewhat more back and forth, though I thought Poirier did as much damage in round one as, mm -hmm. as Oliveira did in round two. But I get it. The optics of being on top for so long affects the score but either way like uh yeah the, uh, you couldn't have gone wrong with either pick i was very confident Oliveira, and frankly i just couldn't get off the bandwagon because i've been pushing it for so long i think since even before he beat chandler i was like this guy is my number one i think he's gonna beat chandler i think he's he, he you know he becomes the ufc champion um and uh, and i hope this doesn't hurt the narrative of dustin Poirier too much that oh he needed to win the big one to be considered he's still a top five lightweight i think Oliveira maybe jumps over him now on most people's lists uh talking all time and uh and who knows how high Oliveira can go if he has to defend if he can string together some more defenses because he can have to, he's gonna have to do it against the likes of like justin gaethje <laughs> probably islam makachev or even benil dariush would be a tough title defense if he beats makachev so he has a chance to build his legacy now. But um, yeah, very happy to see him get the win. Uh, and silence a, a lot of doubters, a lot of people who did not have him as their consensus number one. Um, so good for good for Dobronx and, and all of us Dobronx uh, supporters. I just have to well say said, AK. Yeah, Sean. I just have to say quickly, the way that this whole Poirier title, or not Poirier, but Oliveira title run has played out, and in particular these last two fights, it's almost too perfect in a way, right? Because obviously the narrative that followed this guy for a long time in his career, and we're so sick of hearing it was, oh, he's a front runner, he doesn't have the heart. Even after, you know, he wins this weird UFC title fight where it didn't really feel like this was a true title fight, but he does come back in, in this fight against Michael Chandler and wins the round, in, in, or sorry, wins the fight. Even then, you have people, his contemporaries, Justin Gaethje, all these guys saying, oh, Charles Oliveira doesn't have a heart. He does, he wilts when, when the adversity comes. He, he can't overcome the trouble. And then he does it again tonight, where he spends that whole first round just getting eaten hammers from Dustin Poirier over and over and over, knockdowns. It just comes out and dominates the next two rounds. I am so sick and tired of this narrative. And at this point, it, it, it was already beyond lazy before UFC 269. But at this point, I never want to hear anybody talk about this and repeat this same tired line ever again. Charles Oliveira is the furthest thing from a front runner. The way that this run has gone is one of the most inspirational things, frankly, we've ever seen. His career was a side note in this lightweight division for a long time. He was this guy who couldn't make weight. He has these cool submission stats, but he's never going to accomplish anything. And now he... he 
he's he's someone who just continually keeps overcoming this adversity over and over again and welcomes it and it's it's just incredible to watch man and i don't want to hear anybody ever ever again doubt this man's heart doubt this man's will to and desire to continue uh doing things like that it's just incredible man. it's one of the more incredible things we've seen what's the difference between Oliveira and nunez though because that's what nunez to me her big thing was before she became this run this long run she was a front runner that eventually just wilted is there is, could charles Oliveira turn well, into an amanda like, like well so the difference is right the difference is amanda nunez just spent the last six years doing whatever she wanted kind of right like she was just winning yeah just being in front the whole time for the most part like she didn't have to deal with that and at a certain point when you're that person for one year two years three years four years at a certain point like i would imagine it's just easy to get tired of it right or easy to get maybe a little complacent easy to maybe take a day off on training here that sort of thing i'm not saying i know that she did that but i just it's natural inherent as a human being when you're on the top that long to get bored a little bit to just kind of stop seeing things people certain people as you know these really difficult challengers and i'm just going to walk through this girl just like i walked through all these other girls charles Oliveira is not there he, he, he's not going to be there for a long time because he did have to overcome so much just to even get to this point uh, I, I, to me it's just it's, it's crazy. It's crazy to see. Yeah. One of the questions, Sean, that we had heading into this fight was, who needed this one more? Was it Charles Oliveira to, to answer those questions and prove those doubters wrong? Or was it Dustin Poirier who, by the way, and, and we I, I kept trying to like see if anyone could make an argument for Dustin Poirier. And even me, I thought it was closer than some of the other people thought it was. Everyone said it was a runaway, a landslide for Charles Oliveira. But I thought it was actually a little bit closer because of what that title meant to Dustin Poirier. Like he's got this mental mantle with all these awards and accolades and titles and interim titles. And we know how much the interim title meant to him. But him coming up short tonight, I don't think it hurts his legacy or the way people view him whatsoever. But in his own mind, how much is losing tonight going to bother him in the long run, do you think? I would actually disagree with you a little bit. I think it does hurt his legacy a tiny bit, if I'm being honest. And that, that kind of hurts to say because I like Dustin Poirier a lot. As a man, as a human being, as an athlete, he's incredible in a lot of ways, right? But I was one of the people who thought he was the number one lightweight in the world after Habib retired. And I've been banging that drum ever since Habib retired, and he was sort of that uncrowned champion. But we just saw tonight that probably wasn't true. And so was there ever a point in his life where he was that number one lightweight? It's hard to say, right? I think that hurts his legacy, and I think that probably, like you said, Mike, I think that it's going to hurt him internally too when he, when he thinks about it he's going to have that question still and he's not going to have that validation because that validation is really what he's been searching for for all of his career like we, we've lived and died with this guy the whole way through and he's, he's an emotional guy he wears his heart on his sleeve and it hurts to see him like that because we've seen him like that before he said tonight you know i'm sick of, of crying in these press conferences in front of media guys and it's just like dude i I was there in, in Abu Dhabi when he lost to Habib, and, and you know I've been there for other various press conferences where this sort of thing happens with Dustin. And it's tough to say. I mean, he's one of the greatest lightweights of all time. He's definitely on the short list, but it's gonna—he is gonna maybe go down as that guy who's one of the great fighters to never win a true undisputed title, and that, I think that hurts him more than anything. Yeah, I think there's. Like when we talk about it, I definitely think there's a certain ding that the legacy takes, right? But just looking on social media and seeing how fans can be react and be fickle, 
We're not seeing a lot of Dustin Poirier hate. We're not seeing a lot of, oh, this guy sucked. He's a flash of the pan. Oh, he just beat Connor. We're seeing a lot more praise for Charles Oliveira and what he was able to do because he defeated a guy of the stature of Dustin Poirier. So, yeah, certainly a ding in the rankings, certainly a ding to the legacy. But overall, the view of Dustin Poirier, at least right now, doesn't change a whole hell of a lot. It just almost enhances what Charles Oliveira did tonight, which is kind of the point I was trying to make. But uh, great stuff. I mean, two really good fights, some really interesting storylines. Um, do you want to just go to the peeps, Casey? Because, I mean, they, they, I'm sure they're going to want to bring up some stuff that we're going to talk about. Um, let them control the narrative a little bit. But peeps, oh, we, so many, so many peeps. So many fights. So many peeps. So many peeps, peeps though. So, Let's so many go. Peeps. I want to say on the Poirier thing, though, I think that this one's going to bother the hell out of them. Mm, um, 100%. Not, maybe not because of the loss in general, but the way that fight played out. I think he's going to watch the tape and just hate everything he did. Um, and I, I picked Poy. I thought Poy was going to win. I thought he didn't look good walking to the cage. Like, I don't know, you know, body language, armchair psychologist or whatever. I thought Oliveira looked freaking dialed. Like, he he was ready to go make a statement. I thought Poirier looked a little disengaged. And he won the first round clearly, but it, it was – to me, that first round, like when Oliveira survived it, I I would have bet a ton of money on Oliveira coming out of that. It, it was like John Jones, Daniel Cormier. Like Cormier was putting the wood to him, you know, early, but Jones kept attacking the body and was clearly laying the foundation to win later. He was going to win the war if he lost, lose the battle. And Poirier just, I don't think brawling necessarily was bad, but I. I thought every middle tactic he did was not strong. He got sucked into a thing he didn't want to or should have competed in. And it was full credit to Oliveira. Like, that was clearly what they dialed up. They planned it. They executed it to perfection. He was landing those knee, those intercepting knees, those knees inside. That little short uppercut, he landed 100 times on Dustin Poirier in the clinch. I thought Oliveira... To your point, Mike, Oliveira looked sensational. Like, I hadn't had him as the number one dude. When we do our rankings, he's got it for me. Like, I thought he looked fan-freaking-tastic. Yep. Do you think there's he knew any- he, he knew his guy. He knew his guy he to a T. Exactly he knew what exactly he what he was going to do. And I thought, and if you had told me coming in that that was his plan, I'd been like, that's insane because he's going to have to eat a bunch <laughs> of rockets from Dustin Poirier <laughs> and he's going to get melted. And – Honestly, like that is objectively true, <laughs> but he ate him and he didn't get melted. <laughs> so, like, full credit to that dude. That's one bad man. Look, this is two fights in a row where he could have, the Bronx could have been taken out in the first round. He was getting killed by Chandler, killed in the first round. And, and Chandler, Chandler, I think, should have won that fight. He kind of made more of a tactical error, yeah. I think, uh, than Poirier was perfect. Poirier knocked him down, kind of went for a little ground and pound, and then. Backed away. Backed away. Backed, with, with, when he with, jumped, like when a, he jumped in um, Oliveira's guard, I was like, no. And then yes. he got out. I was like, yeah. And, <laughs> and that was like 90 seconds to work in round one. Yeah. So I'm like, Poirier's got a plan. Like, this is going exactly as he wants to. If Oliveira, once he gets back up, he, I don't know if he's going to make it to the next round. But, I mean, he he did survive. Mm-hmm. Like I said, his striking and his defensive roles, even though I criticized his defense before, it's still better than it used to be. But still, I mean, you know, you're paying us in Poirier. How good can it be? Um, so, yeah, uh, it, this It's crazy. He just doesn't. He doesn't have that air of invincibility of a Habib, obviously. So I don't, you know, I don't want to make those comparisons. But it really is impressive that he came back from adversity because 
Michael Chandler could have been the UFC champion when they fought, and now uh, Dustin Fourier. And you run this fight back a hundred times. It's it goes what 55 45. Like they're just so they're so well matched, and it just wasn't it just wasn't Fourier's night tonight. Um, and Oliveira again it has been on such a hot streak. He's got the hottest hand of the dice game I've seen in a long time because yeah. He fights a very risky style, and he's just been the man that's been coming out on top, uh, which is a testament to his toughness and, like, how friggin' skilled he is. Holy Rolling crap. Rolling them sevens, baby. The Conor oh, McGregor every, strategy every to time, Yeah, <laughs> Every time. Yeah, every time. I, I do Even agree. the backdoor little Joe. Yeah, if they fought 100 times, I, I do agree. It's, like, 55, 45. I don't know. It's super close. Like, I don't – this isn't one of those fights – dogs. <laughs> this isn't one of those fights where you think, you know, Oliveira's going to win every single time, but – um. Hold on, let me continue. I got to get the dog. <laughs> but also, that, uh, that's sort of the state of the lightweight division right now, right? Like, all of these guys feel so close to each other. Like, obviously, Chucky Olives is the guy right now. He's the man. But it feels like any of these top lightweights could win on any given night. And it's just really cool to see because we had this very long period of dominance there with Habib. And then the, 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 the Connor era before, it was very weird because there was just the title was in limbo for so long. But now we're here and we're rolling. And all of these lightweights, again, on any given night, the, the margin of victory, the margin of error with all of them is so narrow. It's, it feels so cool to just be in this space right now in the, in the cluster of guys we have at the top of this division. It feels like any given title fight could just be a switch of a switch a, a switch the reins, right? Like, it's just it's, it's crazy to see. I can't remember a division where the parity was, was this close uh, at a moment like this. Who are you guys because, picking? Yeah. Who, who are you guys picking against Gio Oliveira? Go on, let, let me hear it right now. Who you got? Who, Mike, let, Mike, let me let me throw it to you first. I'm probably man. picking Gaethje. Oh, Sean. Oh God. I'm probably gonna pick Gaethje again. <laughs> Gaethje for sure. Um, Gaethje. I, uh, absolutely. I would have picked Gaethje to win against Poirier in a rematch. I think either he he or Makachev. I think best lightweights on the planet. Uh, Oliveira deservedly is the number one guy. But if I'm just picking who's winning tomorrow. Uh, and that's actually the only thing I disagree with you, uh, Sean, because, I mean, lightweight's the best division of the sport, so a ton of parity. But I think there's a really good chance Makachev is just like 80% of Khabib, which is still better than everybody else by like a pretty clear margin in the division. <laughs> so I, I don't – I think he's going to get the belt next year and he's probably going to have it for a, for a hot minute. Yeah, I'm I'm very excited for that fight between him and Dariush because that's that's all we've been waiting for, right? Like we're all convinced that this guy very well could be the best 55er in the world, but he just doesn't have that top five win, and he's going to get his opportunity coming up in February. So, the Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge? That takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. 
That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Uh, really good fight. Uh, by the way, in case really you guys weren't aware, oh, go ahead, go ahead, John. Just really quickly, if you're Dustin Poirier right now, is your move to just hold out and sit and sort of wait on the sidelines until Connor McGregor is ready and then get that fourth bag? That or, or that or just go for Nate. Just get that Nate. Nate fight right. They're not going to give him Nate, Nate though. They're not going to. Why not? Well, they wouldn't give. They wouldn't give Nate. Dustin, I guess is a better way to say this, right? Like that feels like it's too. I don't. It feels like it's too big of a fight to, to let Nate have on his way out if he's really like on his way out. There's a loss for Nate to like, have on his way out. I'm just saying, it feels like they're not trying to give Nate any favors on the way out, and that kind of would be a little bit of a favor of like, hey, here's a, a big name and it's sort of a big spot in his career. I, I just don't see that happening. Maybe I'm wrong. But if that doesn't come up, it feels like Dustin kind of waiting for Connor might be his best option right now. I agree. I think if Dustin wants it, if Dustin wants it and calls for it, I think he'll get it. But if he sits and waits and just Diaz does his Twitter thing and just starts dropping tweets on Poirier, I don't think it does anything. But I think if Dustin Poirier in a you know a couple weeks he goes on Ariel's show and he just cuts a scathing promo on wanting to punch Nate Diaz in the face at 170 pounds, I think the UFC would give him that fight, but only in that sense. Go ahead, Casey. Oh, I mean the Dustin we saw tonight. I don't, I don't, I'm not 100 sure he beats Nate Diaz at 170. I know. Jed was like he's gonna take a loss, but I don't know. I, I I did think Dustin was the best lightweight coming into tonight. You know, it's there are holes. There are still holes with Dustin Poirier, unfortunately. Especially you know, I think a guy as durable as Nate Diaz and the grappling. I don't know, and and, and he'll be undersized. I'm just saying um, that's why that's why I kind of agree with John. I don't think that fight would happen. I don't even know that yeah, it's holes though, right? It's just like that's Dustin's style. That's what we why we love Dustin is he could win or lose any fight at any given moment just because he's so willing to engage and brawl with all of these guys. I totally agree. Great for questions. Uh, we had a million bonuses tonight. Oh yeah, a million while we pull up the questions. Uh, Pedro Munoz, Dominic Cruz, fight of the night. I think that's right. Uh, six performance bonuses: Bruno Silva, Tai Tuivasa, Kai Kara France, Juliana Pena, of course, Sean O'Malley. Charles Oliveira and poor Jillian Robertson almost loses an eyeball and takes on someone who missed weight by like 14 pounds, gets a submission in the first round, and no bonus for her. I know placements. And Andre Muniz, UFC submissions. gets another nasty arm bar, first round submission. One-way traffic, and he doesn't get any. Tony Kelly just breaks Randy Costa, puts him away in the second. No bonus. This is why. Two rounds. That man drove all the way to Las Vegas with no mask on, or uh, in it, just so he didn't have to put on a mask. Give it, no, I'm kidding. Uh, but 
this is why we either obviously ideally you get rid of the whole bonus system and you just raise salaries you know uh, you get win loss system gone bonus is gone raise the salaries to the appropriate level or given auto if you're going to keep the bonuses 50 g's for every finish everyone who finishes gets 50 g's if we're because if you want to say oh well you know you want to make a distinction what the best performances were they gave out six tonight Think about six. Clearly, them being special doesn't matter. It, just just say if you finish a fight, you get fifty Gs or a hundred Gs. If we have to keep the stupid bonus system, but and um, you get fifty Gs ahead, for surviving a fight against Ryan Hall. So he should Manor get extra fifty Gs. They should take care of Derek Manor for the rest of his life because he's a changed man. I know he's a changed man and maybe the second greatest grappler of all time because. He somehow went the distance with Ryan Hall. I, I'll have to watch that fight again multiple times to understand how. But uh, I agree with Casey with what you said. Derek Manor deserves a lot of respect. Yeah, yeah. Plus, if we get rid of the bonus system, there will be two very big benefits. One, Charles Oliveira will be, have the most bonuses or whatever, however they've been couching <laughs> that forever. So AK will be thrilled. And I Yay. would pay $100 a pay-per-view mm-hmm. if they will just pay the fighters more so I don't hear every post-fight interview begging for cash like, like that they are they are impoverished people like it is it's the worst look ever and it genuinely hurts my viewing experience to know that every undercard fighter even if their win was garbage like i hope that's good enough 50 g's dana God, just pay these people a fair wage for the love of all things. I love, I love they're <laughs> fighting the highest level of their sport in the biggest pay per view in a sold out arena, and they have roommates. <laughs> what was the first thing Tai Tuivasa said when he went into the media room? Before anyone even asked him a question, he picked up the microphone and said, 50 G's. 50 G's, I reckon. First, that was the first thing he said. And then when he was asked a question, what was his first answer? 50 G's! 50 G's again! This man, this man, I love that man. Drinks, this, man that man drinks so out of, this man drinks out of I shoes. He needs more than $50,000 to turn his life around, okay? Give him, again, like I said, increase the bonuses or just pay him more money. This man needs help. I love Tai Tuivasa. <laughs> Stop drinking out of shoes. All right. <laughs> Oh no way! He's he's living the gimmick. Are you kidding me? That's his gimmick. He, it's a fantastic. Right after he won, we have different monitors here in the media room, so we can kind of see things when it's on commercial. Right after he won, there were just lines of fans in the stands taking their shoes off faster than I've ever seen people take their shoes off and holding their <laughs> shoes and their beers in their hands aloft, just waiting for the chance at Ty doing a shoey out of their shoe. That guy has the best gimmick going in the UFC right now. I absolutely love it. I asked him earlier, I asked him in the, in the media availability, why did you pick Barbie Girl as your walkout song? What was the inspiration for that? And his, his he had a one-line answer of, I'm a Barbie girl. That's fantastic, man. Like, yeah. This dude is, is so spectacular in every thought possible way. Four straight wins now after a three-fight losing streak. I'm so happy he's still in our lives and doing this on a big stage like this. Like, you can't. That's true heavyweight MMA right there. When you have a guy doing that, doing shoes on the cage and doing shoes at the crowd, he got into, like, an altercation with a, a security, security right? guard here in the arena because they were trying to, like, usher him out and push yeah. him out of the arena and, like, hey, hey, you can't be doing this with these fans. And he got, like, legitimately mad. Like, he was, like, real upset about it back here when we brought him back. It was, uh, I love that man. I love him so much. He should have people been on the main card. People come to see me to knock people out and do shoeies. That was his answer, and it was brilliant. He just Everything comes out of his mouth. I'm, I'm just fascinated by it. Go ahead, AK. He, he should have been on the main card. Instead, instead, him and Sakai, instead of the Neil Ponzinibbio fight, 
should that should have been on the main card. With respect to Neil and Ponzinibbio, I get. I guess they're cons- considered higher ranked than than uh, Tuivasa and Sakai. Greg Hardy is them. on the main card. I, I, I didn't want to say it, but if you're yeah. going to keep putting Greg Hardy <laughs> so, on main cards, he's on the. Tai Tuivasa isn't on the main card. Who just? What are we doing? Greg Hardy. Tai Tuivasa is a star. Tai Tuivasa is a star. Like, this is absurd. You should be putting on pay-per-view. I, I get it. I know a lot of these fighters are like, oh, I'm happy to be on ESPN, ESPN Plus, whatever. But there is still a distinction between being on free or, I guess, subscription television and being on pay-per-view. And Taito Avasa should be on pay-per-view. His walkout was not played up. I don't know if you guys got it in the U.S. I didn't get it in Canada. Nope. Yeah, okay. So we didn't nope. get it up here. And I had to read that he came up to Barbie Girl. I did not get to hear it or see his Barbie Girl energy. <laughs> Huge mistake, UFC. Huge Shane, mistake. Can, can you show us the energy right now? Do you, do you... <laughs> What's that? There it is. Is. Can you give us that Barbie girl energy? There's the energy. Is that the Barbie oh, girl? It was, it, was, it was just fantastic. <laughs> but really quickly, so we're getting kicked out of here okay. at the media room in seconds. But I do want to just talk yeah. about something. The symmetry tonight of what happened with Cody Garbrandt and what happened with Dominic Cruz, to me, is just almost so poetic. And it's so strange now, this place that we've reached with Cody Garbrandt because I think he's going to, he's going to be the saga of Cody Garbrandt is going to be one of the more like difficult things to explain to the next generation. It's looking like, because we've reached a point with this guy where that win over Dominic Cruz, which in my mind remains one of the most brilliant performances we have ever seen from a title challenger in UFC history. That is becoming now a footnote to a career that feels like it peaked at like age 25. Like this is really crazy at this point. I can't think of many comparisons for a precipitous drop to this degree. I mean, this is a guy who's now lost four, five of his last six. He's been knocked down seven times over that stretch. And I mean, tonight, this was a bad one, man. Like, he came in here with his brain dehydrated worse than it's ever been before to make this cut to 125. And when, I think he got knocked down like three more times, adding to that total. Like, that's not the stat you want to see from a guy who's 30 years old, man. And obviously, in retrospect, maybe someone who's historically struggled with durability issues coming down to this weight, you should have seen this coming. But it's just a sad outcome for, to, in my mind, for a guy that obviously you don't want to write anybody off this early in their career. But at one point, we were looking at this guy like a future legend. And now I genuinely like don't even know really what to do with Cody Garbrandt. Like, did you try to let him keep going at 125? Do you make him go back up to 135? The Dominic Cruz rematch is suddenly kind of like interesting to me. Like, Casey, you threw that out. And to me, that fight kind of actually makes a lot of sense I, I don't know it's it's just so bizarre this place we've reached with cody I, I, I didn't see it coming i really didn't i thought after that cruise fight that this is going to be a, a future hall of famer and it's just it has not played out that way yeah very interesting stuff what a 30 for 30 that's going to be someday the no love story i was thinking about it after this fight he's he's johnny hendrix like this is the exact same career Arc. Johnny Hendricks had maybe more wins before he got the title, but he lost it and then just was done. And I can't figure out the common thread that has made both of them be awful, but that is, yeah, super weird. Going to be really weird to look back on Cody Garber and think he was a UFC champion in like 15 years. Do you have to go, Sean? Yeah, I do have to go, but I uh, appreciate okay. you guys and uh, keep killing it. Love everybody. Love you, Sean. Right. Right. Hi, Sean. Thank you, Love you, Sean. There he is. Live from Las Vegas, Mr. Sean Alshadi um, jumping on in. Let's give give Garbrandt I, – I still say give him one more shot at 125. I know oh, God, that seems like a, a terrible idea to a lot of people. I just think 
Yeah, I I think like I don't I honestly don't think the cut was as bad for him as people think. I don't think let me put this way. I don't think it made his chin any worse. I know I know like how could it not? But I think it's bad at one thirty five or one twenty five. But he seemed to be okay with making the weight cut. I, honestly, he didn't look he didn't look worse to me in this fight than he has in some of his recent he fights got hit at one thirty five. Big shots, yeah. They, I, don't, I really don't think it's a chin. He just gets hit hard. I, I don't think it's a chin. yeah. It's a defensive it's, issue. It's it's it's, 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 a, it's a tactical yeah, issue. Um, yeah, he just. I agree that I don't. I agree. I don't think the chin, but like literally, the thing that his career was made on was he's a good wrestler because he didn't get taken mm-hmm. down at one thirty-five. And it's super mm-hmm. fast hands, and he doesn't have those at one twenty-five. He's just middle of the road. I would I would ballpark, but I I thought uh, Kai Kara France looked faster than him, mm-hmm. and there were some tactical things that maybe played a role. But like. I, Dude, I, I think he's way better served at 135 where See, he had but, a market speed advantage. And yeah. it's not like he, he didn't lose at Bantamweight because he was physically overpowered. Mm-hmm. He should take – he needs to take every advantage he can get in the fight at this point because let's be honest. He's not tactically great. Like he's just not. And that's – Yeah. So well, he, I the think thing he is, needs that speed edge big time. Here's the thing what's getting lost in this, though, is, is that Kai Car France is really good. Yes, like, he's yeah. really good. I was saying this I, I, when this matchup was made. I was saying this in the preview shows we did. I was like, I don't want this to become like if something, you know, bad happens to Cody that it's like, oh, he just like he just sucks now. It's like Kai Car France is really, really, really good. So if he looks slow compared to like Kai Car France, it's like that has more to do with Kai Car France than, than Cody. It doesn't matter what weight class Cody fights at. I mean, it, so I, I I think like I said I, I don't want to say this was the wrong opponent for him because I get it they wanted to give him a top ten guy so he could win and they could shoot him right into a title shot but that was so misguided and, and Mike you kind of joked about it like if he'd been thrown in there I think it was you said it, if he had been thrown in there with Figueredo last year Figueredo would have murdered him it would have been terrible oh yeah murdered tonight right <laughs> so, and he would have got murdered tonight so like, I I just I do I do feel like there's there is like fights he can have at 125 and I get it he, he's one of those guys who's become a victim of his own success he's a former UFC champion yeah. um he was still ranked a bantamweight when he when he moved down to flyweight so it's like it's like well how can you move him like give him guys outside the top 15 but I wouldn't mind seeing him fighting like I mean there's a lot of good flyweight is so good because it's a smaller division so everyone there is like close to elite um I don't know, like a Bruno Silva, the the the, the flyweight version. Um, uh, I don't know, Zaruk Adashev. I'm, I'm, I'm having to look at my rankings right now. I'm not just yeah. pulling these names out of my my head here. Uh, Mark De La Rosa, if he's still around, I'm not sure he is. Um, a Francisco Figueredo, Francisco Figueredo. He couldn't yeah, fight he, Francisco Figueredo. Like, I, I think there's fights for him. I get it that are not appealing to him. Probably like if he looks at these names, like, but if he wants to take a step back and be realistic, I do think that he has he can compete at 125. But I just think this fight was really bad against a great opponent um and we saw like the worst of him and i know we've been seeing the worst of him for a while but i'm, I'm not quite giving up on this weight class change yet i don't know why i have no i, I don't know why maybe maybe I'm, cody garbrandt I'm just is it well what, what is wrong with cody Gar- garbrandt just maybe just not being a top 10 fighter maybe he's I, I know he doesn't fight like clay guida but clay guida's fought like 2,000 fights in the ufc and he's 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 scratched being a top 10 fighter maybe once i don't know Maybe maybe he just maybe he's just a guy that's just good and he just we just gotta get over the fact that he's not elite. He's just a good action fighter and he just fights in the the mid card, mid range cards, I you know. Or there's nothing there's nothing wrong with that at all, Casey. The problem is the way that this has gone about. Like I don't have any issues with the wins and losses for him. Cool, he has a ceiling, that's fine. 
I do have an issue when he's – I forget who put up the stat. He's been dropped seven times in his last yeah. six fights. Michael Carroll. Been, Michael Carroll. He, Michael Carroll? Okay. No, he's been Carroll. knocked – like knocked out, knocked out in four of his last six fights. Like that's – that's super, super bad. I think we need to like, change that. Is, I don't know if his – if he never had a great chin or we got cracked, however – what you want to call it. His chin is certainly not the best, and it's not getting better. And I, if I was hit part of his team, I would have a legitimate conversation about retiring. Not because he cannot compete against a number of people, but because anytime somebody gets dropped seven times, that's you should at least have that conversation and be like, hey, there are other ways to make money that don't jeopardize your long-term health because – that's like a real thing, and I will now always be afraid of him getting got again anytime he goes in the cage. Yeah, and it sucks. And the problem is I understand we'd love to see Cody Garbrandt take a step back and fight the 45th-ranked Bantamweight or flyweight <laughs> yeah. in the world. Unfortunately, when you are booked to fight for a title less than a year ago, and then you are – if you won tonight, if you won a split decision tonight, you are fighting for the title next year. You can't just – fight somebody out of the rankings your name has value you are a former champion you present some sort of intrigue when cody garbrandt is involved in a fight people care about it so putting him against zaruk adeshev makes absolutely no sense it makes literally no sense there are no tune-up fights when you're cody garbrandt right now why can't there be why can't there be because this is not Candyland. this is not Candyland. It just isn't. I'd love to. Greg Hardy gets ten thousand t- tuna fights. This is Candyland if you're the right fighter. Okay, I, when I, Greg Hardy is a world saying. champion, when Greg Hardy becomes a world champion and starts getting title rule. shots, that's not a rule. It's just, I mean, Casey, come on, dude. This is the UFC. You've been covering the sport for like over a decade now. This is how the UFC does business. This is how they've done also, business forever. When you're also, Cody Garbrandt, Cody Garbrandt's not taking that fight. Cody Garbrandt clearly doesn't think there's anything wrong. That's why about what, what has to change. That it definitely starts it. with him. It definitely starts with him. Like, I mean, like, I, 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 I'm just yeah. saying it's not impossible. We've seen stranger things happen in MMA, and I, and I think there is a path to him becoming a respectable, successful fighter again. But it's a long path. It's not the path that they've been trying to put him on now, like we're just, we're just a row of nonstop killers. So, Right, but there's again, no. Well, it makes no sense to fight Zaruk Adeshev because if he loses why? to Zaruk Adeshev, you're done. Then you're done. For, well, then you're already done. done. If he loses to anybody, he's done. Isn't he done already? He, he no reward. He already? There's zero he reward beating Zaruk Adeshev. Zero. If he fights Manel Kopp and gets killed, he's done. If he fights Sean O'Malley and gets killed, he's done. If he gets killed, he's done. He's done. Can Those we at least give him a fight, fight where we think Those he'd be fights. Can we give him a fight where he think he'd be favored? Is that not like no. can we not do that? He like just had fights, a fight where he was favored. That. He just had a fight where he was favored tonight. And he shouldn't have been. And he shouldn't, he shouldn't have been. He, that was a he shouldn't have been. That that was a, and he that was have been. that was an undersell Kai. I don't think any I don't know how many of us picked uh Cody. I don't I think picked, any of us I picked him to win by first round knockout just because I had questions about Kai Car Francis chin just as much as I had questions about Cody Garbrandt's chin. And if Cody was gonna win, he was gonna do it in the first round. And plus I knew everybody else was gonna pick Kai Car France. So it was worth the flyer to to pick Cody (laughs) Garbrandt to win in the first round that he would actually like throw punches and stuff, Mm -hmm. but he didn't. And that's what happened. So but sorry, I I, it's just not the way the UFC does business. But I agree with that, but the same but say it doesn't make sense. The same doesn't make sense, isn't true. Chris Wyman just got his leg true. broken by Uriah Hall. Sure. 
they're not going to give him a tune-up fight. He's going to end up fighting freaking Andre Muniz sometime next year. God, that's just the way the cookie crumbles. <laughs> I'm sorry. It sucks. I'd love to see Chris Weidman fight a guy who just got a contract on the contender series, but it's just not going to happen. That's just I do. It's the way it is. I really like the Garbrandt Cruz rematch. I don't know if Cruz that, would take it. That's a problem. Yeah, but Casey, I, I like that. I am. That's. I think that's pretty fascinating because the more I think back on that fight, I, I'm starting to think that the reason Garbrandt was able to win is because Dominic Cruz doesn't hit all that hard. He's not. Yeah, and he's so, not a hard hitter. Yeah, he he doesn't hit all that hard, so like, it was fine, and that's still the same. So he might actually still be able to win that because I also think Dom's pretty faded. Yeah, even after tonight, but oh, Dom He had to sneak in the Dom disrespect. Yeah, yeah, Dom oh, did. Oh, I, that we're gonna talk I told about you, Dom was going to win that fight. I told you. I, I, I called him too. All right, question. All right, let's go to the people. You're all driving me nuts. <laughs> I'm with the us. I'm with you on on, on the. I, I didn't. I thought Cruz still. Was there. <laughs> Did hey, Dominic get gifted legend. a win? I had it a what? draw. I had round one Pedro, ten nine. Dom took round two in round three, ten nine each. Round three, ten nine. Wait, is what? I like no, this wait, score. That's not a draw. How did you remember, score to draw? Remember, Pat, Are you no, saying the first round was a ten eight? Yeah, that's no, what he's trying he to say. Clearly, says ten nine here. No, yeah, no. he means ten, he means he means ten eight. He means he means ten eight. No, the first round was not a ten eight. It was nah. not he got dropped twice, but I, dropped, I actually dropped. would have scored it a ten eight if if we were doing a live blog on it. Mm. I didn't think it was a ten eight. Uh, remember, Dom actually finished really strong that round. I I he did. did. Yeah. Dom won every yeah, second of that fight twice. until he got dropped. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you need the three Ds, and it wasn't a gift. Pedro it wasn't a gift. Three Ds. But Pedro did really well. It was, I, yeah, was I thought Dom was fighting tonight. I was fighting tonight. Great fight. fight. Night. Great fight. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love watching. And did anyone see that? Did anyone coming into this card think that was going to be fight of the night? No. No. Yeah, not really. Yeah, yeah. We, all, we all thought, oh, Pedro's going to chop his legs up, and that's going to be the fight. And that's not he what happened. He didn't do that like at all. Cruz. I don't know about that. I picked Cruz. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, if, if, so did the fight kind of go how you thought it was going to go? Um Okay. I didn't think he'd get knocked. I didn't think he'd get knocked down like that in the first round. I'll tell you that much. I thought it was over, man. I thought. Uh, I thought uh, gla- he's about just, to get Keith Peterson's. <laughs> I'm glad. I love Dom. I love Dom's pettiness. And I'm glad we got to throw some Keith Peterson um, shade in there. That was. God bless Dom. Yes, <laughs> he had to. Even after getting punched in the head many, many times with Pedro Munoz, he had the wherewithal to start throwing a little shot at. <laughs> no nonsense. He did not get gifted a win. That was a clear win. Have you talked about Garbrandt yet? Where does it go now? Yes. You just uh, talked about Garbrandt for 28 I, no, minutes. No, I, I don't recall mentioning it. Okay, AK uh, wants to send him to the Contender Series. Casey wants yeah. to send him to Titan FC, no, no, but I'm, still I'm, get UFC money. No, no, I just, uh, I, I just make him a mid-level guy. We're, we're done talking about Cody Garbrandt. There were so many yeah. other things. <laughs> I want to send Cody Garbrandt to the farm. He's done. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. 
This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Let's talk, let's talk, let's talk about this lady. Yeah, sure. Oh my God! That's what people I, are I'm saying. I'm so glad we. I'm, I'm very glad that we get to address this now because I think I think mm-hmm. a lot of this is being blown out of proportion, and I'll explain why in a moment. So, uh, for those on the podcast feed, MMA Dog is asking. So, guys, Kayla Harrison's next stop can only be Bellator now, right? Because Juliana Pena beat Amanda Nunes. I don't think that's the case. I'll, I'm going to explain my stance in a second, but a lot of people feel like. There's a video that has surfaced. ESPN put it out there that after Juliana Pena won the title, Michael Chiesa, it was the beginning of an epic trip to the octagon, apparently, according to Dana White and some other people uh, very close to Chiesa. But towards the end of this little clip that ESPN MMA puts out, you see Kayla Harrison with her back turned, screaming the F word over and over again. And Ali Abdelaziz is there like trying to calm her down. And a lot of people are just like, oh, Kayla's responding to all the money flying out the window, which maybe that's the case, or maybe she's responding to a teammate who she's worked with for a long time that she has talked about helping her get ready for the PFL finals and for her PFL season, losing a fight. It could have been a combination of the two, but a lot of people are just like, oh, Kayla's pissed because the UFC must have offered her $10 million to fight Amanda Nunes. And I just don't think that's the case whatsoever. Am, am I wrong, AK? Am I wrong about this? Uh, no, not at all. I, I mean, that, that number is definitely exorbitant. Um, I don't not, know. Not per, 10 million, but a big chunk. Not 10 million. You know what I'm trying to say. A big chunk. The number yeah, doesn't I, matter. It don't matter the number. I don't, it's a big I, I, chunk of change. I, I didn't see the clip, so I can't speak to exactly like what or her rea- she was reacting to or how she was reacting. Um, but I mean, but I mean, to the, I, I, I do think that she obviously would, if, she w- if there is going to be a fight with Amanda, she was certainly hoping it would be. She wanted to be the first one to beat her how, how, uh, since uh, 2014. How can you not want to be that woman? You know, Amanda has been built up so much. And to see someone else who no one was even talking about as a contender like six months ago, to see someone else take that from you. Uh, no, Jed, you were talking about it for a week. So settle down. All right. You just, you just <laughs> got on the main event. Settle, settle down. Since Wednesday. Settle down. Since Wednesday. Settle down. Yeah. Last Wednesday. Last Wednesday. Oh, yeah, okay. Last Wednesday. Wednesday. Okay. Right. 10 days. 10 days. That's solid. That's solid. I'm sorry. I said a week. I, I apologize. At least, <laughs> at least 10 days, possibly two weeks as far as I know. Um, but uh, yeah, to have that taken away from you. I, I mean, that's got to hurt. That's got to hurt. I'm, I'm of the opinion. I still think it's a great fight to see. But uh, for sure, it loses a lot of its intrigue because the whole point of it is this broad question of who can beat Amanda Nunez? And now we know it's Juliana Pena. Juliana Pena can, can beat Amanda Nunez. We just saw <laughs> and three other three other women who fought uh, Amanda Nunez can beat her. So uh, I, I guess now in the other sense, it would be for uh, for Kayla. Now, now who can beat Kayla Harrison? But I think, I think what MMA Dog is suggesting is, well, shouldn't we see if Cyborg is the person who can do that first before we maybe circle around to, you know, Amanda Nunez? Let's say, let's say, you know, Kayla Harrison does beat Cyborg. Then you go later and say, well, Amanda Nunez is still out there and who knows who else, right? Jed, your thoughts on Kayla Harrison and what this means for her? Uh, I think you're dead on, Mike. Uh, the similar clip was surfaced with Misha Tate, um, like, losing her mind celebrating people like oh she's stoked that nunez isn't the champion no yeah. she's worked with pena for like, a long time and is stoked yeah about that um you guys are really trying to make things more than they are uh so i 
I don't think that now Kayla goes to Bellator. I think that that was always the most obvious choice for her. For her, Bellator has a much more established 145-pound uh, women's division. I think that Scott Coker is much better to work with, and I think that there would be much more of an opportunity for her to sign a short-term deal to basically just go get the three fights or whatever that she wants over there, and then she can you know, be a free agent again and sort of reassess. I think she can play this extremely cagely and that is what she will do and signing with the ufc will take a lot of autonomy away from her i am also not entirely sold that this throws a bunch of money out the window totally get the argument and that is probably correct but to me i think there's still some interest like in if kayla goes to bellator uh i think all of us on this program would pick amanda nunez to win a rematch with juliana pena now that pena got the the you know my win out of the way i would probably not pick her in a rematch <laughs> um and so i think that it, it is highly likely nunez will get the title back uh they'll do a trilogy probably and then, you know, if Nunez wins two, it's kind of like Stipe versus DC. Everyone sort of forgets that DC bolted Stipe the first time they fought because he got the two. Um, so this is a setback. But ultimately, if a year and a half down the line, Nunez has the belt again, hey, uh, Kayla has picked up some more like legit wins. Not that her PFL wins aren't legit, but she's got bigger names on the resume. She's a Bellator champion or whatever. Uh I think that fight is still huge, and I will have a lot more interest, frankly, in seeing a more vulnerable Amanda Nunes against Kayla Harrison. Like, I think, I think that that is a much more, a much more sellable story. I'm ultimately that still may not be as much. Wait, the UFC is going to sell <laughs> this woman. She can be beaten. Let's see if she can be beaten again. That that's just, that's the sellable angle for Nunes I mean, now. I, I think that that is, that is a storyline that is compelling is, hey, we have actually seen this woman lose before. And, you know, Kayla Harrison is this this wunderkind or whatever. Like, let's see where this shakes out. And maybe that doesn't sell as much. But we also talked about it on the pre-fight show. Amanda Nunes really isn't selling a whole much anyway. So this is this is sold entirely on Kayla Harrison. And I think she's doing just fine. Do you have a do you have a thought on this, Casey? Oh, I've just see I've never seen someone scream the f word so loud <laughs> unless they're losing a crap ton of money. <laughs> well, let, let me say that, that, that was like Casey. ripping your betting ticket up. Like, no, well, let, let me ask. That wasn't like, oh, really... my training partner lost. No, no, it was like I lost a lot of money. The UFC had her. UFC put a free agent, a free agent on camera. On camera, I yeah, I, I, and they've done this before. What, they've done it before with who? Uh, Brock Lesnar, like seventeen times, and yeah, Kayla Harrison's very smart. And they wanted very Brock shrewd. They, and they want Kayla Harrison, and they didn't get Brock Lesnar they, they the last want, three they, times. And they wanted Kayla Harrison to fight Amanda Nunes, the goat, not the woman that just lost to Julia Pena because she got tired. Look, Kayla okay, Harrison listen. can still fight Valentina Shevchenko, the actual goat. Ah, uh, there All you right, go. Hold now, on, hold now, on. now you're thinking big. You're thinking big, Jed. I like that. I was waiting for that. Yeah, <laughs> we got some, we got some talk there. <laughs> Listen, I, I, I will make the argument that Kayla Harrison just being shown on camera tonight made her way more money than she had, like, even Friday. Because PFL saw it. Bellator saw it. They know she's there. Brock Lesnar style. 
WWE off, up their offers every time they saw Brock Lesnar at a UFC event. Bellator and PFL, their offers have significantly raised. So I don't think money is an issue whatsoever. I Secondly, actually- I think the UFC is third, maybe fourth on her to-do list right now. One, because the UFC shit all over her until like a week ago. Just trashed her resume, trashed her everything about her. Amanda Nunes would murder her. All these different things that Dana White said. So I think Kayla just showing up there is very smart. Take the meetings, get shown on pay-per-view. It makes your value go up. Bellator is probably the best place for her. It's the best place for all parties involved, in my opinion. Bellator will treat her well. They will pay her a ton of money because they got it. And she will have legit competition. By the way... She's a mom now. PFL, go get that Millie. I think PFL is still number one. I think PFL is one. Bellator is a strong two. And the UFC is just like, they're the bargaining chip. PFL is $3 million. It is one year. And she's probably making like six figures every fight too. She's probably making like six figures every time she even competes. And if she goes back, she gets to like, Julia Budd's a good win. Like that is a good win on her resume. PFL, I, you and I have said this for, for months that PFL's number one, Mike, and I think she goes back for one more run. I At least one more. I disagree because Dana White is a businessman, and he isn't trying to make Kayla Harrison money. Dana White is trying to make himself money, and he goes, he went to the director, goes, get Kayla Harrison that seat, tell my graphics guy, but Kayla Harrison, make a graphic with Kayla Harrison, and put her on our pay-per-view. That because they were intending to sign her, they were intending that big newness. They were intending to make that newness fight at forty-five, and everything went tonight. I never thought that fight would happen, anyways. I, I never saw. I never think Kayla Harrison versus Juliana Pena is a big fight. Could be at forty-five. I do kind of want to see that actually. At forty-five, Juliana is going to get up to forty-five. I think the UFC. I think the UFC gets her. But it would be fun on the mic. Right. Yeah, I think I, I just yeah, I, I don't think her, her I don't think her maybe her UFC offer drops slightly, but her her overall offers from the other parties interested. Nope, not at all. I don't think she lost a dime tonight. She lost she lost a bitter. What else do we have? Casey, do you see no, this question? From Arthur. OK. Oh, we can talk about this, too, from Sandy Pham. Uh Thoughts on Priscilla Cachuera. Former <laughs> UFC fighter, round. probably. For- <laughs> Mike, you were so you felt so good about that. Like <laughs> yeah. as that fight was kicking off, too. You were she like, was one second yeah, away. She was one second it. away from winning that fight. One thumb away. Yeah. Said, she's got to make it out of the first round, and she just she's got to make it out of the first. Do it. Yeah, she couldn't do it. I, okay, the, the thought. How about this? If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Does yeah. that apply to? Does that apply here? I mean, how many times can you cheat before you can? before that narrative changes because she already missed weight now she's trying to gouge out eyes now we got two <laughs> yeah. two attempts at cheating well no no yeah. she did, did she get in trouble for gouging the eye oh listen listen if she had won the fight the, the i, I would have been it was I would a have brilliant been move. It was a I would have given move. her credit. I would have given her credit for that. Same with Oliveira and, and vice versa. If 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 uh Poirier had overcome Oliveira's dastardly tactics and just knocked him out, I would have been like, yeah, he got what he deserved. So so it's the same way. If Cachoeira had somehow gotten away with trying to gouge out uh uh, uh Jalen Robertson's Robert. eye with her thumb uh I would have been like that's effed up but like good for her she got the win she's still in the UFC now I think she lost and she deserves to be punished for her for uh, her cheating not she'll paying off and I think she's out of here yeah yeah, she yeah she'll get cut yeah when or when I, I poke I gouge or not she was I think she was getting she was done by losing this fight 
It's Casey tough DC to down somebody's eyes and still lose. Well, she had, like, she had back-to-back good. finishes, back-to-back know, finish wins. So yeah. admit the weight miss was was not good though, because that's, that's not the first time she missed weight. Yeah. She also has some assault allegations against her from an ex-girlfriend, uh, which Guillermo Cruz has reported on. So it's, I don't see. I, they really should just wash their hands of of Catchaway at this point. I'm sorry to say, but yes. Um, Casey, do you see this question from Arthur Agababian about uh, tough? Do you see that question? Oh, tough, of course, you see the tough question. I just want to answer this one quickly. Oh, okay. I, 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 I had to go on. The, I just the, the question he spammed 6,000 times? Yes, yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll read it out. Nunez and Pena coaching? No, no. Colby versus Dustin, Ultimate Fighter. Or Colby versus Jorge, Ultimate Fighter. Uh, I guess coaching. Uh, here's what I'll say. Neither. Neither. Stop putting great fighters on the Ultimate Fighter. Just book their fights. The Ultimate Fighter does nothing. No one will watch anyway. They don't change the show. It will not make the show more compelling. You know how I know this? I'm the, the only person who's watched every effing season of The Ultimate Fighter on the planet. I can tell you the problem with the show is not the coaches. You could put any I, – I, I should add an asterisk. I think you should get coaches who are better made for TV and not active fighters. Get Chael Sonnen on there. Do like Iron Chef style. Have a rotation of like six coaches who are good for television. Put Chael Sonnen on there. Matt Serra. Uh, 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 Dan Lambert got, uh, pay these guys pay these guys to be regular coaches and have fun with the concept and have no risk of delaying fights if you guys look at like the last like 12 or 13 Ultimate Fighters which why would you again I'm the only one who watches the <laughs> stupid show still so many of these fights ended up falling through and I get it th- that can happen anyway but I think when you put like a nine month gap between like the booking uh, the, you know the announcement of the coaching and the actual fights you're just you're playing with fire what You're if, asking for something bad to happen. So stop putting good fighters on the show. People aren't going to watch anyway. It'll create this very, very little, almost imperceptible rating spike. And all you're doing is like, oh, well, now instead of getting to see uh, uh, Colby and Jorge fight right away, we have to wait till fucking nine, extra, nine months. Don't do this, people. Don't do this. What if we do the exact opposite of what AK is saying? And instead of <laughs> taking two active fighters, we take four of them. And we have four teams, mm-hmm. and they and it's sort of like an IFL hybrid, but then all of their fighters work through in some sort of a gauntlet fashion, and whoever ends up winning the team competitions, whoever are the top two team finishers, then those two coaches fight each other at the end of it, and the two teams losing coaches fight, so we can sit four people on ice for six months, but there will at least be some sort of stakes for the coaches in this television show does that do anything for you ak no let's bring you know what Let, you want multiple coaches let's bring back fight master bellator fight master yeah. season two 16 years after underrated the season, underrated show <laughs> listen you're getting that with wf what is it the wfl in 2020 that organization's getting we're, off the ground we're not talking about that <laughs> by the way by the way uh, I'm kind of I'm on Team Jed with this, and the reason why Jed is because you're trying something new. Do something cool. You're trying something different. There's like a lot okay? of room. This is the UFC. Okay they do that. not do yes. that. Change up the ultimate you're, fighter. You're at least trying to do stuff. The whole thing, everything. If I see another basketball jersey on that show, I'm going to lose my shit. Like enough is oh. enough. Like do, I like do this some suggestion hockey jerseys. from Spambot. Get DC to. I like that. They're not active fighters. Oh, no, that they're, is good. They're, they're both they're not active. That's, that's not a bad idea. DC and Dom. Spambot. That's an excellent. Yeah, Cormier and Cruz. Excellent. Great coach. Dominic Cruz fought an hour ago. We retired. Not active fighter. He just got fight of the night. You're like, ah. Not an active fighter. 
<laughs> well, how quickly we move yeah, on. But at the same time, Cruz is a fight guy. He's got to fight like once, maybe twice a year. So he's a two a year guy at best. Let's talk I'm about tough that. can be cool guys. Oh, like, we're still in tough guy. Dang it. <laughs> I'm just, the contender series is the outlet for like new talent to come into the organization. Let tough be your innovation space. Like tough can be R and D. You can try different rule sets in tough. You can do anything you wanted in tough, and they Left just have no with. imagination. Oh no, imagination! <laughs> basketball jerseys. Gotta get the wheel. Let's do different color basketball jerseys. All right. We can bring in the the power bar, Mike. We can bring the damage bar to tough. Um, the wheel. We need the wheel. <laughs> I see some people asking about on our fan Q&A. We talked about if Julia Pena wins, which she did, of course. Of course she was going to win because the Oracle said so. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, is it the biggest upset in UFC history? How does it – and we kind of – pop culture, it, it, I don't – we felt like it, would, it wouldn't cross over if, if she did win. So, like, how do we feel? Like, how does it feel compared to Ronda versus Holly? It's so That's different. It's just, it's just so different because Ronda is so much more famous than Amanda Nunez. Um, Amanda Nunez, I'm sorry, excuse goat, me, Nunez, the goat, um, the goat, huh? You know, she was. It's fine, but that's. Ask, look, everyone in the MMA space, we call it that. Ask any average person if they know who Amanda Nunes is, if she's the GOAT of anything. They, they, I'm sorry, they, your average person does not know who Amanda Nunes is compared to, compared to Ronda Rousey at the time. You, Ronda Rousey uh, was ubiquitous. Uh, her level of celebrity was, again, before uh, McGregor, uh, agree. Was, high, was higher than any MMA fighter we'd ever seen. Um, so it, it doesn't compare in that sense. Uh, but like, like I think we sort of said on the pre-shows, for those in the know – the home win was far more likely uh, than the uh, the Pena win, unless you're Jed Mishu, of course. At which point, it was very obvious. Never in doubt. <laughs> yeah, never in doubt. Never in doubt. I think we can't um, we, we can't forget the just the incredible violence that Holly Holm won that fight into. And just Holm, oh, and the way like how outmatched you could tell Rousey was the build to that knockout was just incredible. When when Rousey was like hitting air and running into the fence, you could the set, door, you hear yeah. the crowd. The crowd was like, what is go-? like, again, filled with probably with a little more, a little more of a casual audience when you have a crowd that big. Mm-hmm. Like the attendance was enormous, right? Yeah, it was. Like uh, a, uh, there was a like a what the hell is going on vibe to it. The highlights of this day, you watched and you're like, oh, wow. Like they don't look like they're even near the same class uh, and home, you know, then delivers the head kick hurt around the world. Also, uh, yeah. Holly Holm versus Ronda Rousey is one of the three funniest moments in MMA history. <laughs> The Mike Goldberg takes a lot of energy being a rock star is thank you. For, I, that's a good it line. Might be my favorite quote in the history. Of this <laughs> takes a lot of energy getting your ass kicked, Mike. <laughs> 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 I don't know that we're ever topping that line, <laughs> and that counts for a lot. So good, so yeah. good. Like that's if good if Cormier had said something real dumb <laughs> about Amanda Nunes, then it maybe. But that line is just. One of the best. Miss you, Goldie. What a legend. <laughs> yeah. Hey, DC was all like, oh, Nunez is trying to tire out Pena right yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, that's Unreal. wild. Yeah, this, I mean, listen, all of us in the MA space, if you were there, it's a different moment. But just like watching it in a funnel, I think the moments are, this is probably way more of an unlikely result. 
but it's just like Casey said, it's just not going to cross over. Like yeah. the Ronda, the Ronda loss, like you turn on your local news, like your local everywhere. news, no matter how yeah. big or small your town is, if your town had 175 people, they were talking about that. They were talking I about got, Holly Holm knocking out Ronda Rousey. It is a mom test. I got so many text messages after that happened. I'm not going to wake up to anything tomorrow about like, holy, that happened. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah, same yeah. thing. Yeah, very true. Same. Not one. Not and keep one in mind, we, we, move, we, like, we move in social circles that are at least most like vaguely familiar with MMA just by being associated with us. And they, they'll know the Amanda Nunez thing will not register at all. Yeah. That's why I I'll get more texts. I'll get more texts next week than I got this week. Yeah, because of I, the Jake I, Paul fight. Yeah, I was, but even tonight's oh, title thought, fight. I thought it was Derek Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> no, it won't be anything about Derek Lewis. <laughs> oh, I, I have friends who like Derek Lewis. Oh, I love Derek. My balls is hot, man. That's oh, that's I love that. De- Derek's must see TV. But my, but none of my friends are going to be asking me about Derek Lewis and Chris Dawkins. They're going to be asking me about stupid Jake Paul yeah. and Tyron Woodley fighting again. But I was honestly more yeah. shocked at how Oliveira won than how Pena won. Not that Pena is Pena, Pena won in the way that I thought she was. If she won, she was going to win. The way Oliveira did it, I just didn't think. I just didn't think he had it in him to do that, and he does obviously. And so that I I, I had a bigger emotional response actually watching Oliveira win. So um, I don't know. It's just um yeah. So yeah, it's so different. It's just a different feel. It's really interesting. Ooh, let's talk about friend of the show. Tristan Gordet. Has this always been an issue with Randy Costa in regards of his cardio? It's second straight fire where he's gotten tired. You, you just gotta you exactly just gotta listen to me. You're talking about this, Mike. I literally said exactly that. Um and it wasn't even a cardio thing. I, I it was a cardio thing tonight, I think. I think the cardio played a factor, certainly, but I think Tony Kelly also did his homework and did it very well. Um Randy is just a fun fighter. He wants to go in there and just dead dudes in a minute. And throughout his regional run, he did exactly that. Makes his UFC debut on short notice at 4-0. Almost deads Brandon Davis in the first round. But when you don't, when he doesn't dead these dudes in the first round, it gets a little frustrating for him. And we see what happens after that. Brandon Davis finished him in the second round. Adrian Yanez finished him in the second round. And... He got finished tonight in the second round. You can get Randy Costa out of that first round. It's a little daunting for him. Like, it's just like, wow, like I hit this dude pretty hard and he didn't go down and I didn't finish the fight. Like, what the hell, man? Like, I think it's more cardio definitely played a factor in tonight, mostly because Tony Kelly was so offensive in that first round. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was ugly. It was not a technical masterpiece by any stretch of the imagination. Those are the kind of fights that you beat Randy Costa in. Like you just got to dog him. You got to dog him and get him tired and you got to take, take the soul from him. And if you could take some punishment, you can take the soul from him. And I love Randy Costa. He's a great guy. He was on our preview show. What are you a week, eight days ago and did a tremendous job. Good dude. But that's just his issue. He's a fun fighter, but if you get him out of the first round, you can beat him. And Tony Kelly did a great job tonight. Uh, one more question. Uh, before yeah. we go. Where does Valentina fit into all of this? Jed, go. Chevy truck driver. The Pena win was so great, not only because (laughs) I called it, but because of what it does for the other other thing that I've been pushing long, long before anybody else. 
And it's that Valentina Shevchenko is the best fighter I've ever seen in comparison to her peers. I have her ranked as my number one female fighter uh, pound for pound. I have, I think, since we started doing the rankings. And she definitely will get that spot on all of our rankings at the end of this month, deservedly so. It's just the best. Valentina, uh, I know uh, Pena said that she wants to run it back with Valentina. Good for her. It's what you should say as a champion. It's an awful idea. Valentina's going to beat that ass. So you should, I mean, it's six one <laughs> half of the other. is going to do the same thing. Uh, but you got you got the belt and you earned it. So enjoy it, Juliana. But you don't want those problems from Valentina Shevchenko. Uh but yeah, she fits into this by being the best female fighter in the world, and you should cherish her the same way you should have cherished Amanda Nunes. Because again, no disrespect to Amanda Nunes at all, it's incredibly difficult to defend a title for six years. She defended belts, maybe not the same one, but six years. That's the type of stuff that literally only the best fighters who have ever competed in this sport have done. She is in rarefied air, and full kudos to her. She probably will get the belt back, but. The bullet train, baby. The Chevy truck. She's the top lady now, and she's going to hang on to that as long as she wants it. Yeah, and uh, I saw Sandy Pham asking earlier, uh, where where is Juliana Pena now going to land in the pound for pound? So this is interesting. Like you said, I do think we're all going to put Shevchenko number one. I think that's pretty reasonable. Um, Nunez, it's weird. Like I just, this is one of those situations where I don't think Pena necessarily takes Nunez's spot, right? Is that fair to say? Like she doesn't automatically beat her and take her spot in the pound for pound rankings, right? She's going to take her in mind. Because pound, and that's fine. She beat her, but pound for pound, I always think also is normally has to have a wider. Like you know, we look at it as like body of work, right? Sure. That's generally again, it's so open to interpretation. So it's funny. I don't know how far Nunez will drop, and I don't know how high. Pena can go. So just look at our consensus. Nunez number one right now. Uh, Shevchenko number two. Namajunas and Cyborg tied for third. And uh, Zhang Weili at number five. So Nunez will drop out of number one. Do you drop her below Namajunas and, and Cyborg yeah. as well? But but she beat I, Cyborg. I so you, you can't her. drop her below Cyborg. I, but she I also definitely loved. drop her below Namajunas and okay. Cyborg. I'll have to grapple with it just because. Right, it's tough. And and, but, and Pena and then Pena does she jump above you? You, you so she she's just number I'm two. Gonna Pena above Nunes. I'm gonna put and so just no, so just number two. Yep. Uh, no, probably three. That's tough. I'll put her behind Rose. You put her behind Rose. Okay, Rose will be your new number two. Okay, right. We'll, 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 we'll see when we. Yeah, we'll see when we actually. Start. I haven't thought about I it have fully. To parse it out. I get what you're saying, and I don't. Necessarily yeah, yeah, it's tough, right? Have to, have to do yeah. it just because if you're looking at body of work, but I think it's really tough because the body of work that Juliana Pena just she just straight up beat that ass, mm-hmm. and that's that counts for a whole lot. Casey. Yeah. I think pound for pound rankings are stupid. Yes, we that we can all agree. Yeah. <laughs> it's just I, I don't I don't understand how they. I, I actually have no idea how they work. They're dumb. They're dumb. Yeah. Um, They're dumb. One thing we need to talk about is um, real quick before we get off. Anything you want to talk about? Um, Andre Muniz or Aaron Blanchfield? Two, I thought uh, great. Muniz is a real problem, and man, it's it's reminding me a little bit of when Damian Maya was kind of wrecking people. Very different guys, but I'm saying Damian Maya was wrecking people at middleweight, and everyone's like, "Oh, is he the guy to beat Anderson Silva?" Like, you know, Anderson Silva, like he's got good jujitsu, but if if he fought Maya and Maya got him to the ground, and we did eventually see that fight with Maya as a short notice replacement. So even then, there was a little bit of doubt, but it was a very very horrible fight, and no one ever wanted to see that again. So, but I wonder if Muniz is now kind of the same way. Is he the new kind of 
Damian Maya of 185. He's he 31. It's not like he's a prospect. He's kind of we're, we're seeing he's this been pretty much a lot of experience. Yeah, yeah. He's so. like 20 something fights under his belt already. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, is he the guy? Now people say, oh. Well, can he if he if he gets uh, uh, Israel uh, Edison to the ground, is he going to submit him? So it reminds me a little bit of the Maya Silva talk. Again, this is a long time ago. I know people would be like, "What? Mm-hmm. That was a thing? Like that actually was a thing once upon a time?" And I think Muniz and uh, and and Edison uh, could be the same thing, but. I don't know. I don't know how close he is. We'll see what happens with uh, Disneyon Whitaker. That rematch that was now officially announced today. Um, we had reported it for uh, the February, yeah, the February pay per view. And then, uh, but Muniz is right in there, four zero in the UFC, uh, and just looks badass yeah. as hell. Maybe he just needs a ranked uh, take take out a top ten guy or something. But um, he's yeah. not far away from a title shot at all. Yeah, that dude's fire, uh, Aaron Blanchfield. Oh. I I would be a lot more excited about her, and I still am. Like she's freaking great. Uh, she is going to run into the Mighty Mouse problem really fast, where because Valentina's just already whipped the crap mm. out of everybody else in the division, Blanchfield's new and exciting. She is probably like two wins away from a title fight, which will be way too early, and she's going to get clobbered. Um, but What's, that's just sort of – that's the one benefit to being a long-reigning champion. If you can clean out a division, you get to pick off young prospects before they can really, really get the yep. seasoning that they need. Uh, but otherwise, like, I mean, Aaron Blanchfield is probably going to be someone that's with us for the next 10 years of our lives. She's so, 20. What's, uh, what's, what was the record for youngest champ in the UFC? Uh, technically, it is John Jones. The true champion is Jose Aldo because he was the youngest champion back when the WEC WC. was in the city area of the UFC, but they didn't fold them over because of tax mm-hmm. purposes. Mm-hmm. Um, what, 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 what age Jones, was it? But what age? 23 and some months. 23 and some months. I won't be surprised uh, if the UFC tries to just just because they need oh, to sell Shevchenko fights. Yeah. Oh, they yeah, might they, put they, 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 just just yeah, for yeah, that yeah. selling point. I mean that's that's the whole that was the whole Macy Barber angle. She's gonna be the youngest mm-hmm. champ ever. So obviously that didn't pan out. Maybe it was, maybe it's Aaron Blanchfeld. And she's she's yeah. a really high level grappler. And I, hope which, I, mean, don't, I hope they don't do yeah. that. But, oh, God no. But selling but they got they got to make money. They got they got to sell Shevchenko fights. Yeah, so, no, you don't. Two, year, two years away. Two years away. You don't need to sell uh, Shevchenko fights. You don't need to sell Shevchenko fights because she's a co-main event. You don't need to sell her fights. That's true. You put her she's underneath somebody. Two division champion when she kicks. <laughs> yeah, you don't need to. Maybe There's no need to rush any of these girls. She should go up, eh? There's she never a need. But that's what the, that's there, right? hey, you talk about that's what the UFC does. The UFC talking about the UFC does. They love rushing people, and that's what the UFC does. You don't need to. They don't. They don't need to. You don't need to in this they, case. They don't, they don't need to give. Co- they they need to give Cody Garbrandt an easy fight. They're not. They don't need to rush Aaron Blanchfield. They will. You know that's that's. We're mm-hmm. talking about patterns that the UFC does. This is what they do. Uh, let yeah, me. Just I don't think I Aaron Blanchfield. Aaron Blanchfield will not fight for a UFC title until at least twenty twenty three. Like end of twenty twenty three. I think Let's early twenty twenty three is is right in the wheelhouse. Oh I think she gosh, I hope. Not. I think late twenty twenty three. All right. uh, Maybe two well, years. Cool. Two years. Eighteen months of two years. Isn't that, so, can't, is, like, is that not rushing? Is twenty four years old? Not no, rushing? that's not rushing. Oh, I mean, I rushing would be throwing into a title fight this year, which the UFC has done things like I that think, in the yeah. past. I think you need I mean, to sell in the word rushing and preparedness, right? Like yeah. she's. It's not a rush technically because she has earned her way up, but she is not going to be at the peak of her powers by no. the time she's fighting Valentina Shevchenko for a title. Mm-hmm. Of course not. No, that's uh, all you need to do is not just – you don't promote – you don't even promote Erin Blanchfield as her own entity. You promote this entire 
flyweight 2.0 class as like this next crop of killers. Her, Casey O'Neill, like Tyler Ran- Santos, Miranda Mavericks still. Yeah, Miranda Mavericks still. Yeah. Menol. Menol. Yeah, I definitely see some holes. I certainly see some holes in Miranda Mavericks game that I didn't see before. Um, she needs Miranda needs to Miranda. First of all, Miranda needs to find a home and she stay there. Like she can't keep bouncing around from gym to gym to gym to gym, getting different coaches, different coaches. You could tell she felt uncomfortable, even with the great Elliot Marshall in the corner. It just wasn't the same. She wasn't the same fighter. And she's doing a lot of exploration, and that's fine. That's fine. Now's the time to do that. Um, but I need to see some consistency before I get excited for – I mean, I still think she's super talented. There's this high ceiling for her, but she needs to she needs to figure it out up here in terms of – Miranda Maverick, the fighter. She's Miranda Maverick, the, you know, the student and the and the teacher assistant, and you know, going for all these different degrees. She's got her she's got her stuff together. There's no doubt about it. But <laughs> if she wants to be a world champion, yeah. that's a very important thing she's got to sure. do. It could take a while. I mean, when we saw Jim Miller you know, submit Charles Oliveira, you know, whatever years ago, we're, like no one was going. Yeah, Charles Oliveira just needs to tune up a couple of things, and he'll be champion in a few years. He's like, you know, it's just. These things take time. Yeah, but be- Miranda Maverick's not going to fight that long. She's just not. She's going to fight till she's like 28 or 29 and be done. She doesn't need to. Hopefully. Hopefully. Exactly. All right. Uh, so, guys, I threw up a poll about an hour ago. Uh, who wins if Charles Oliveira fights Justin Gaethje? And it's Gaethje. and keep in mind. Well, I know that you guys said that. Keep in mind Gaethje. a lot of recency, a lot of recency bias right now. Seventy-five percent Charles Oliveira. Wow. Twenty-five percent. Yeah. Yes. Seventy-five percent. We, but we literally wow. just saw Charles Oliveira fight and and do, and uh, win in impressive fashion against Dustin Poirier. Yeah, so some, I know, can see why. I, I, I'm also picking Oliveira twice in the first round. I know. Hey, that, yeah, but that was you know that was that was five, the first round. Did you see round two and that three. Was the first round, <laughs> exactly. Those are more recent. Uh, but no, but I'm with you know me. I'm, I'm with the the Oliveira voters. I, I definitely I, I'm, yeah. I'm picking Oliveira. But uh, but yeah, I think if the fight gets made and we ask this question, you know, three months from now, it's going to be a lot closer. It'll, it'll definitely be a lot closer. Can I play the music? I think. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no, go, we go can't on. play Sorry. yet because we would be really bad at our jobs and our YouTube uh, algorithm if we didn't talk about Sean O'Malley and we oh, haven't talked God. about Sean O'Malley. Can we not mention him at all? What is there to say? What's there to say? He I don't know. Us. We, we said People that. really like Sean O'Malley, so we should talk okay. about him. Well, I, now I'm we said him. Now we can put it in the in the description. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I also haven't Legal, looked at legally. the comments, but I would be shocked if nobody was like, there actually isn't a lot. I, I, in the comments, there actually isn't a lot of O'Malley Paiva talk. I've been looking yeah, at the comments I, the whole time. I haven't seen him either, yeah. Because really? there's not a lot to say. He, he looked awesome. He looked awesome. He beat a good uh, good fighter who, again, I think is really a natural – is really more of a flyweight than a bantamweight. Awesome? Sure. Yeah, he looked great. He looked, like we said, we were saying before that, that Paiva was tough, and he smoked Paiva. So I think we okay. got to give credit where credit's due. Um, again, he needs to – does he need to fight higher-ranked guys? I mean maybe, but if he keeps – Putting on impressive performances on pay per view against again middle ranked bantamweights, I don't think he's going to complain as long as his his, his uh, pay goes up on his next contract. He's he's not going to care. So uh, yeah, he looked good. He did exactly what he said he was going to do, and and it's, it's sticking. He, he really created this narrative of the unranked champion, which some people seem to like. Uh, it was good. It was it was it was just a great a, a really good appearance for O'Malley. I think. But like so, he, need- is, he is going to have a ranking on Tuesday, and his next fight is going to be against a ranked guy. Who do you think? Like, who do we think that that should be? I think he's like a legitimately interesting prospect. I don't care about him at all as a person or mm-hmm. like his stardom, but I think that he is a fascinating fighter to watch. 
and I have no idea if he can get out of my shot, Esther. But <laughs> like, I don't know. I Josh Emmett doesn't seem like a good match for him, but maybe it is. As well, since they're not in the same weight class, I mean, that's probably yeah. yeah, yeah. Why would he go oh, to forty five? Right, right, sorry, yeah. terrible matchup for him. Yeah, I mean, horrible matchmaking here. <laughs> My bad. Hand it's very late. It's, it's very late. late. <laughs> it's very late. Uh, I, I'm. I was not thinking Josh Emmett. Uh, the dude that Aldo trains with, who's also built like a fire hydrant. Who? Who? Marab. Marab. Oh God, no! No, they no, keep no. Him away. Absolutely here. not. <laughs> Get out Marab of here. Are you Marab crazy? I think, I think Marab would never take that fight. He'll, he'll be insulted. Uh, it's not worth it for him either right now. Oh, he would take Actually, it? Actually, Marab, Marab would absolutely take that fight. Are you crazy? Why would he not Marab take that fight? He would walk his way to a victory. Yeah. No one in the top five is going to fight Marab right now. Oh, if, it, well, it, since he can't, if he can't get a fight from anyone else, then I can see that. Yeah, you're right. I still Dude, like Rob the Yanez fight. Rob Font, after beating, after beating Cody Garbrandt, felt that Sean O'Malley was a, was a more interesting fight than Dominic Cruz. Ooh, maybe that's, Rob that's, Font. That's Rob Font O'Malley. You think that would work? Font O'Malley? Uh, Rob Font yeah. would definitely take it. Rob Font would 100% take that fight. There's two answers to this question. Oh, we're not doing Cody Garbrandt. We don't. We don't want to call. That's him one of them. Game. I don't want to see that. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry. Unfortunately, the other answer is going to have the same kind of argument because the other answer is Marlon Marais. Those are the two. Oh, best I'm fine I like that one. No, I like that one. Yeah. That one. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, you could do Frankie Edgar, maybe. Um, no. But I no, really want to see no, Cruz no, Edgar. No. Stop it. Stop. Stop right there. No. God, no. <laughs> I love Frankie. I don't need know. to see him get. I don't need to see him get spinning, spin kicked into oblivion. No, I, I, I love Frankie. I don't need to see that possibility. Yeah, I mean that's it. That's really it. I mean you're not gonna do uh, Song Yidong. You're not gonna not? put those two guys together right now because you have two like guys under twenty six. You're not gonna have those two fight each other right now. Why? They, they just have they had Why? Maverick and and uh, Blanchard. Yeah, in a division that's twenty three fighters. In a division that's twenty three fighters. I, I think they absolutely would do Song Dong or Adrian Yanez. I don't think there's out of the realm possibility oh. at all. I mean, both Yanez, Yanez, maybe. I think he's getting a ranked dude next. Like he's gonna be. I think you have to. If you're gonna rank him, he has to fight a ranked guy next. He has to. Yeah, he's gonna get 14. I think. Why is he getting ranked? Why is he getting ranked? Well, as he beat, Pyro was just, ranked like 15, like two weeks flight? ago, and he fell off or whatever. At, at, at bantamweight? Because he beat so. yeah, because he beat Phillips. Because Phillips beat. Song, so it was kind of yeah. like that spot just kept getting yeah. taken. Like Song had oh, it, 15. and then Phillips took it, and then Phillips took it, and then Pipe. He's on a real ranking. So, I yeah. mean, yeah. And now right, Cody, exactly. Cody Stamen's at fifteen right now. He'll be Sean O'Malley's rankings. Like O'Malley's getting in the in the rankings next week. Not in ours. Not in ours. Well, the only ones no, that matter. Mmafighting.com slash rankings. Randy Costa. I don't care. I'm just name. I'm just throwing names out there. Sure. Now. I don't. I don't know. Like I said, I don't. It's not know. gonna be a ranked opponent. It's not gonna be a ranked opponent. Nothing unless, will surprise me. Nothing will surprise me. New contract ain't gonna be a ranked opponent. I'm gonna play the music. Dana White. Dana White said we gotta pay him. So yeah, I think they gotta pay, gotta pay him. him. I think they will pay him. We got. Who he's got? Do we have any thoughts on Anthony Gay? On uh, who? I thought Dana Gay won. Janet's very late. Janet's very late. It's very late, and I think Mike. I, I don't know, Mike. I think it's me. I think I have to work. It's Sunday morning, so it's very late. <laughs> what we're going? Th- this is part one. Don't go anywhere. We're coming <laughs> oh, back we're for part two. <laughs> nah, yeah, part two is part two is called on to the next one. <laughs> yes, we got to do on now. Uh, although a lot of I think a lot of these are pretty are pretty obvious, but I think uh, so too. Yeah, this will be a good this will be a good show. This will be a good one. 
Um, so this show, yeah, yeah. come on with my predictive powers so you can get right the next fights that will happen. Uh, I think we're good. Uh, I think we're okay. I think we're okay. We're going to sh- sh- share that oracleness for uh, the listeners and maybe I'm myself so and AK can get some odd no coins. So <laughs> you got to prepare yourself. Yeah, you got to prepare yourself for BTL, Jed Mishu. So that's it. Ooh, yeah. Final pay-per-view in the books. What a pay-per-view calendar year it has been for AK, for Casey, for Jed the Oracle. <laughs> I am Mike Heck. Good night, everybody. Happy birthday, AK. It's not my birthday. Feliz cumpleaños. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombe makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombe fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.